I mean, I think I was opening for one night in a venue for like 14,000 people. And the next night I was in the village for like 12 people. And you're like, well, that's how it goes. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's how, it, that's probably how it'll always be. Hmm. Hot breath. What up, hot breath of ours? This is your favorite host, comedian Joel Byers. And welcome to your favorite podcast. Hot breath. We have arrived at Hot Breath episode 123, Hot Brethren and Sisterin, and we could not have picked a more fitting guest to be on a roll. This guy is red hot right now in the comedy game. I have no idea why I just said red hot. Long story short, to get to the interview, he was in town for one night here in Atlanta. He had just done an all-nighter at South by Southwest and was still willing to do this interview after his show at the Punchline. I ended up leaving my show I host at a Java Monkey in Decatur every Wednesday. I left that show early to be able to meet up with him at his show. The interview started around like 10.30 p.m., which is the latest I've ever done an interview. Uh, the earliest I did was with Roy Wood Jr. when we met up at like 7 a.m. the morning after he taped his Comedy Central special here, so... This is a very special interview that I was, I've been looking forward to interviewing this dude. He's one of my favorites, such a great writer, such a great comic, had a lot of great insight. So definitely, if you find this one informative, as I try to do with all these podcasts here to try to make comedy more accessible and just educational. So if you enjoy it, please just share it and let's get into it. So there's only one thing left to do. And that is inhale a hot breath um, with Sam. Yeah, just let's Morel. see. Morel. Start here. We'll start talking. Yeah. We're talking. We're talking. Well, all right. Let's do it. Let me get you some water, by the way. <laughs> That's for you, buddy. Hot breath. Hot breath water. You're really into branding. Holy shit. <laughs> is this called hot breath? It's called Fontas water. They're like a... Um, a spring water. No, this podcast. I mean, yeah, it is called Hot Breath. Yeah. Holy shit! This is like the most. This is like not of a comic to be this aware of branding. <laughs> this is like you know. This is like the other side of it right here. Yeah, I was trying to hit it from both sides. You got to so be everything. What else now. do you have besides water? Uh, I have shirts, and uh, my oh, wife. Oh, you're wearing me, the shirt. Holy my wife shit! Made me this jacket. She got me this jacket. You're like Larry the Cable Guy. You're wearing your own shit, man. This is crazy. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. It's probably not. Yeah, if, if I'm, I'm actually hot now that we're talking about it. Now I have to take it off because I'm like, oh, geez, I'm like Larry the Cable Guy. And now I'm wearing plaid? Jesus, this is like Larry the Cable Guy. Um, that's crazy. You have your own water. <laughs> yeah. This, was, how do you do this? How do you put a thing on here? It was, they all, they did it. They, that's one of their products they sell is like branded water you can get. So we and just kind of collaborate. What do you on do? It. What do you make this? You like put it through a purifier or something? It's from. Is the, this the most boring podcast so far of all time? I'm asking about how you make water. <laughs> it's from the uh, Blue Spring Mountains in North Georgia. So it's like it's from a spring. It tastes good. That's spring water. That'll be a good Fontas commercial. Is anything not spring water? Like, is any of the water I get not spring? Is Dasani yeah. shit right? Dasani. Any purified water is tap water. Uh, okay. Straight up. And you'll even see on like Dasani, they have salt in it and they added minerals. To this is good water now that I, now that I really take yeah. it in. I don't know how New York's water is. You know, this so is like a real small victory set when I'm savoring a fucking water after this set. <laughs> uh, Jesus. 
I'm glad I left my show early to come see the end of that set. Oh, God. Why? Because you could tell I was getting cranky on stage? I was just excited to, to get here. I wanted to catch at least the end of it. I've seen you a couple times, and yeah. I knew a Wednesday at the Punchline, you know, in the side room of a diner. Right. I didn't know how it was going to go, so I wanted to see you in that environment. Yeah, it's <laughs> weird, man. Uh, it's uh, The diner connected to the club does not make for, like, a popping crowd, I don't think. I don't think it's... Uh, it's it's weird. I, at one point, I said, uh, "I feel like I'm gonna walk off set, and someone's gonna put a piano wire around my neck, like in the fucking <laughs> Sopranos or something." But uh, yeah, it was. I mean, the diner's nice. Yeah, we're sitting in the actual diner now, doing this. But you go from South by Southwest to it was diner. a wild few days. Uh, I did a in South by Southwest. I did like a big theater last night, like a benefit show, uh-huh. and it was like a twenty seven hundred seater. And the lineup was crazy. It was like uh, Nick Offerman was hosting yeah. it, and then Gaffigan closed it. <laughs> I went on before Gaffigan, and there was a uh, the girl from uh, my crazy ex girlfriend, Rachel Bloom. Which I've never seen, but she was funny. She was uh-huh. good. I mean, it was like a, it was a cool show. In front of twenty seven hundred people. Lisa Traeger, yeah, it was fun. And then now, back to reality. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes, right? I mean, I've yeah. done, you know, I've opened for some big people who are like, you get to do those, you get a taste, and you're like, if once you believe that's y- your life, uh-huh. you're kind of losing, right? You gotta, you gotta kind of just accept. Because I've talked to those people, they're like, well, have you ever flown first class? How do you go back? It's like, well, you just, at, you don't think i deserve this all the time no okay how long you been doing comedy i would say close to 13 years close to 13 years yeah yeah i knew you'd open up for a tell yeah who else have you been able to work with? amy louie uh a lot i've I've opened for jim jeffries like i mean these are like comics who've done like theaters or arenas that i've opened with like big gigs yeah you know and uh those are like um yeah, you just you get a taste of what that fan that fandom is like. There's those people that are, that go crazy for them, and and they're great crowds because they're excited as opposed to this crowd who was just drunk as shit. I was like, what am I performing for these fucking reptiles in the front row? Who were those Palm Beach weirdos? They were like Florida drunks. But you're around the good audiences, but you're also around like amazing comedians. What have you learned from working with that level of talent? You learn a lot from Mattel because he's such a, he's such a, uh, he can't, like, he must just never stop thinking of jokes. He's just <laughs> always in joke form, which, like, can't be the best existence ever, but it makes for a damn good comic. It's probably why he's such a pure comedian. Yeah. You learn, you learn a little from everyone. Like, I've learned a lot from Amy. I've learned a lot from, you know, she produced my special, so she helped yeah. me put it together and uh, edit. And uh, so, yeah, you learn had a had a really you, you learn different skills from different people you know she she was performing in you know arenas when i was opening for her so i learned how to really kind of hold punchlines a little longer and how to i i'd watch how she kind of conducted herself and it's so yeah i mean as we were saying like you perform in a big venue one night i mean i think i was opening for one night in a venue for like fourteen thousand people and the next night i was in the village for like 12 people and you're like well that's how it goes you know that's yeah yeah that's how that's probably how it'll always be hmm there's some comfort to that right where you're like well it'll always be that inconsistent at least you're It'll always barking. be that mercurial lifestyle. Yeah, I used to bark. Not bark anymore. Yeah, I feel like a lot of comics started doing that. I did that for a long time. Uh, when that's yeah, that sucks. <laughs> no one wants to hand out flyers. 
But it makes you it makes it a little sweeter when uh when you see those guys out there barking, you're like, Well, you know, I used to do that. And they and you know, some of them you've seen for years and you're like, Well you should probably quit if you're still doing like I don't barking for years. Yeah, I've definitely uh. seen some faces where I'm like, Well you can't be doing it once you bark in for like seven years, you gotta just not just quit. Or just or just like don't quit comedy, but quit barking at least. Yeah, and say, like, how do you get out of that life? It's people get stuck. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's it stinks for sure. Because I remember I heard the story you said about Dan St. Germain, where the guy was like, oh, yeah. just do it for ten more minutes and you'll get on stage. He's like, nah. Yeah, he's a, well, Dan's a masochist, man. I mean, that's <laughs> like there's a sickness to that where you're like, he was that close to getting the spot, especially early on when you do anything for a spot, and yeah. he was like, nah, I'm good, and we're like. Dude, we're doing open mics, you know? But, yeah, barking is not really a thing here, though, right? No, uh, man. Nobody, I, I feel like that's a New York thing for sure. I can raise that if you need to. If no, I can. I mean, I have uh, hands. I could do it. Oh, I was just trying to, I want you to be comfortable, Sam. Um, I know you've you've been through a lot tonight. I had a frustrating morning, man. I, you know, I, gave, I pulled an all-nighter last night before my flight oh, because, well, man. you know, I had, um, I had a late show and I ended up going to a party. And then by the time I got back to my hotel, it was like two, and then my flight's at 6 a.m., so it's like, what am I going to sleep for 40 minutes? So I end up just, I can't just fall right asleep. So I, I kind of just stayed up, conked that a little on the flight, made my manager check sure, like make sure I have early check-in at this hotel. And I, they didn't. They were like, there's no rooms available. I had to wait for like oh. 90 minutes in the lobby. Oh, and of dude. course, I'm just being a dick. <laughs> By the way, this airport stinks. This airport is the worst fucking airport. It's the world's busiest airport. It's it's horrible. <laughs> Whenever there's a problem, it's in Atlanta, it's at the Atlanta airport. Have you noticed that? It's always like the powers go down here. Or I like totally crash, yeah. Yeah, it has happened a couple times. And then also, um, the walk to the Uber was like worse than the flight here. <laughs> The walk from the terminal to the get an it's Uber. Far. You need a flight to get to the Uber station. You need something. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I took a. You take the. Anytime you land and you have to take another shuttle, you're like, that's another fucking trip. Yeah. <laughs> that's like that's not that's not the 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 flight was a trip. I now have to. I can't do that. I hate that. How were you rude to the hotel? You said you I wasn't rude. rude. I was just oh. I was just like. You're powerless, and you have nowhere for that frustration to go, so you're just kind of, like, internalizing it and just bulging with that, you know? So I think she could just sense that, like, I was nice as I could. I was just like, I just want to sleep. I'm tired. And she's yeah. just like... And then, of course, I finally get to sleep in my room. I wasn't really rude. I was just kind of pouting, you know? And then... I I finally get to sleep, and the fucking fire alarm goes off. Oh, I'm like, my God, I wanted dude. to punch something, but there's nothing to punch, so you end up just going back to sleep. Dude, well, thanks for doing this, man. That I really, know why am I why am I doing why this? Why are you doing this? Because I'm like Dan St. Germain, I'm a masochist. <laughs> we all have that in us. Yeah, I totally. Well, I remember you that. asked me last time, and I was like, ah, fuck. We shouldn't get it out that all oh, I'm oh, I'm a, I'm a two ask podcast get. D well, some people are three. Some people are a yes, and then they just don't show up. Or some people are a Who? yes. People and then I know. You wait. Uh, the most memorable one, uh, Mr. Metzger. Oh, I wait well, in Kurt's his, got other shit going on. Yeah, I waited in his hotel lobby for about 90 minutes waiting Fuck. on the interview. And I don't know why I stayed, but I was like, I'm here. Because, well, one, I didn't think it was going to be 90 minutes. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the way down. And then like 20 minutes later, I was like, hey, what's up? He's like, just give me 10 minutes. And then it just kept going. It was literally like 90 minutes. Damn. I, yeah, so I'm a masochist as well. I will sit through it. Yeah, you know, um... 
Kurt, uh, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt's a character. He's a fucking great comic. He's a great comic. And he was working Laughing Skull all weekend. And like my first question to him, I was like, are you late to everything? Because he was like late to some shows too. And he's like, yeah, my yeah. therapist says I have like some like compartmentalizing problem or something. And I was just like, oh, I didn't know okay. he was in therapy. That's good for him. I, I had no idea. Oh, maybe I just outed him. I don't know. Oh, but I that don't was, know. He doesn't was, seem like he hides a lot. That was the most memorable one where I was just like sitting there just like, oh, okay, so this is where I am. Yeah. But like you said, it's all the up and down. It makes you appreciate it more. I guess people say that. Is that true? I, maybe it is. Maybe it, I mean, I feel like my life was just great. And then there were like more subtle, uh, more subtle up and downs. I could deal with that too, though. Because everyone's like, well, the, they'll see up and downs. I'm like, yeah, but that's a roller coaster. I don't like roller coasters. I don't like like that kind of up and downs. But that's what they, that's what people say. It's like, well, you appreciate it more. I guess that's true. But then also, don't you feel like I, because I'm traveling so much, I feel just I'm just in a constant state of irritation because hmm. so many things go wrong throughout the day, traveling, so many little things. I'm constantly like, oh, come on. I just like take a deep breath and just, when I'm hungover, I'm extra irritable. Or you pull all-nighters. Yeah, but also it was like, I, it was a party. I was like, oh, what am I not, what am I going to not go to the party and get two extra hours of sleep? You yeah. Know? So. And then I had food truck chili, so I like heartburn all morning too. Oh. I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Dude. A masochist. Yeah. And eat food truck chili. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Gaffigan brought us to some party, some big uh, movie party because he's in a movie there and he was on the show and he was like, and I, I see him in New York sometimes, but we never really hang, you know, because he's got a family and stuff. Mm. So he's always friendly, but I never, so I thought oh, I'd be fun to hang with him. So, and it was fun. We had a good time. What is probably uh, a question I always like to ask comedians on here since we're on the lows is I always ask comedians about like an epic bomb that they've had, whether it's yeah. like a story of getting booed on stage or just something you'll never forget. There's just epic failure. Epic bombs. I mean, there's one I've told a bunch is like I did. I used to work the door at this club called Broadway Comedy Club. And I um, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, I just was getting heckled real bad. And, and um this guy, like, we went back and forth a couple times, and I had, and he, I remember he was like making fun of my pants, and I was like, <laughs> and they were like shitty pants, but it was like, it's such, a, it's such a hack. It's like, look at your pants. Yeah. Oh, that was his line. I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're probably bad. But we went back and forth one time, and I, and he said a couple things that like triggered me, and I, and I said something that must have really triggered him. I guess I said something like, I was like, yeah, you're fucking garbage. I said something like you're a garbage person or something, and Whoa. that just set him off, and he got up. And he, and he, uh, and all I heard when he got when got up was like, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I knew he was gonna spit on me. Oh. And he tried to get to the stage, and and the waitresses all liked me there because I worked the door, so they were kind of barricading the stage. And he, I just heard, and it just right on my shirt, you know. And uh, like terrible people have the best aim, you know. And he hit me right, <laughs> he hit me right in the chest, and I guess it could have been worse, right? But from that distance, it was still impressive to make contact with the yeah. spit. And, uh, yeah, and then he and his girlfriend, she was humiliated, I could tell. But he was waiting. He's like, I'm going to wait outside for you. He was so worked up. And uh, this guy, Chris Murphy, was like, I'll walk you outside. I'll make and he was like, I mean, weed's weaker than me. He can't, Chris Murphy can't do shit. He's like, it looks like, he's a joke about looking like a, like a he's a redhead. He's a joke about looking like a pencil and his hair is the eraser or something. <laughs> and, it's like, and I'm like, that's, the, that's my muscle. That's yeah. who's coming with me. Uh, but he, but he was brave enough to come out with me, and 
He made sure I got home okay. He was a nice guy. He's always been a good dude. How long into your career was that? I don't know. That must have been like at least eight years. No, maybe 10 years ago. Oh, 10 years ago. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah, that was a while ago. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely didn't handle it. Like, the worst ones you look back and you're like, why well, didn't even handle it well? Yeah, but you never know until after. In the moment, right. you're just like straight survival mode. Yeah, with the crowd, I remember I tried to go back in the material after he spat on me, and I was right. like, well, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember they, they were like, uh, they were shaken. They were scared for me. And I think they, once they pity you, there's no turning it around. Like, they, they pitied me. You uh, know, they, they, uh, I heard a woman like, go like, oh, and I was like, yeah, there's no. <laughs> There's no oh, turning that pants. around. Oh. Yeah, there were so many awes in that set. Like, such a lost boy. <laughs> and uh, they just... Yeah, once they just... Once they're in that mind state, there's no coming back. Well, you started in New York, too, right? Yeah. That's where you started comedy. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's pretty... New York is... That's the mecca of comedy. So, the fact that you get to start there, that probably has to forge your funny even faster. Yeah, it's weird. I guess it goes both ways, because you do, but also, like, it's... There's enough rooms that you can kind of, I guess you could get good quickly, but I feel like it took me a while to get noticed, which is a good thing, you know? Yeah. Like, it took me a while to become who I wanted to be on stage, and like, you know, I'm still, it's still a work in progress. You still want to improve, but uh, yeah, when you start, people see you and they're like, oh, he's, they could see you and be like, he's not funny, and they've made their mind up on you. Yeah. Or they could see you and be like, oh, he's been here for a while. He's paid his dues. So it works both ways, you know? Like, But then there's those people like Hannibal Burris who just come to New York with this heat, and they're already really funny. And, and there's so so there, it could work both ways, you know? How long did it take you into your career before you felt like, oh, I'm starting to at least get the hang of this or start to sound like I want to sound? It took a while. It was like there was like a few jokes. You're like, oh, that's like what I kind of who I kind of am. Mm. You know, okay. so there's a few of those jokes that were like what I liked and what I wanted to sound like. And it's like it definitely takes you a while to catch up to your taste in comedy. You're like, well, that's you're just doing like some weird impression of what you want to sound like. You're not you yet. Mm -hmm. You know, so it takes you a while to really from a distance like your act maybe like you're close enough to not but it's you have to have some sort of delusion to stay in it that young early you know anyway so you you probably have similar delusion about your act that you're not as bad as you think you are yeah so that it keeps you in on, on a lot of levels but yeah i definitely it took me a while to be happy with it you said like eight ten years like I'd say like seven or eight. Seven I remember eight, yeah. I was down here and I won the festival down here. And oh I, yeah, the Skull and, Fest. And I, that's when I started yeah. to think that I had like a couple that I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. It wasn't like, hmm. oh wow, my jokes are great. It was like, oh, I have, I have a few that I think these are, I'm on the right track. I remember even when I won it, I thought this guy Tom Simmons had a better set than me. No, <laughs> so that's great. a weird, that's a weird feeling when you're like, well, I won, but uh -huh. and I, I, you know, you don't usually feel that way because. You get everything later than you think you deserve it. Hmm. That's just how it goes in comedy. Like, so few comics, and the comics that pop off early usually stink, you know, because this is something that take it does just does take a long time to get yeah. good at. This is not. There's a couple exceptions, but it's something that does take so long that when you get it too early, 
it's usually a fluke. It's usually because not because you put out a great special. It's because you got something else, like you were on some TV show, mm-hmm. and that's why you got it. So when you do actually, I mean, I don't think I did my first late night set so like eight and a half years in or something. So was that Conan? Yeah, was that your first? And then since you've done Colbert and Conan multiple times, yeah. Any others? Is that? I've done Conan, I think, four times, uh-huh. and Colbert once. Are those are those late night shows? Is that more about management to like get onto those? I don't know, man. I really don't know. I think like he already knew and kind of liked me, the Booker. I think, but uh, okay. but then like the first one, I wasn't thrilled with, but I, he was happy with it, so he was like, "Yeah, we'll definitely have him back." I I didn't like the crowd, so uh, I thought they were the crowd. Conan used to be tough. Now they're way easier. But that, but oh my god, there's so many late nights that I watch where I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? I, yeah. You know what? It bugs me a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Dude. There's so many late nights yeah. that I'm like, it's bad for comedy because they give it to the wrong young comics usually. They give it to some young comic uh-huh. who's got a little bit of heat instead of some young comic who's sludging away who's really fucking funny. Yeah. They give it because like some manager is suffocating them and they're like, just give him a shot. He's ready. Instead of some comic who, you know, guys or girls or whatever who I've seen who are just crushing it. And then sometimes they get the break, but... And then also it's the mistake that everyone thinks it's going to be their fucking... You know, like, this will get me yeah, once I get this. That's what everything is. Once uh, I get this, I'll be all right. But that's how, I've, that's how everything in life is, right? Once I get this, I'll be happy. Right. It's like, no. You got to be... You got to find some joy in where you are or you're fucked. It seems like those late night sets are more just for, like, other comedians to be like, oh, I climbed that mountain. It doesn't seem like it really. And also, has it's an just effect. nice to promote stuff. It's like nice. Have I mean, the it, clip, yeah. It's also just a fun thing to do, but uh, yeah, it's. And by the way, the way Colbert does it now, it's like they'll like group five together. Yeah, I've and seen it's like that. they don't even get the experience of being on like one particular show, which to me is kind of a bummer because that's my favorite part usually. Yeah. When I was on it, it was like all other shows where you get the whole experience, but now they're grouping like five together and just throwing them in there and airing it when they air it, which cutting it together it's kind of a bummer so for the first time you performed was that your manager that was reaching out to the booker or the booker saw you live and no was like, my manager hey, at the time reached out okay. and uh you know they they liked the set went mm-hmm. back and forth a few times and he was like here's your date so what's amazing about your comedy and it's all well deserved how many times you've been on tv and that you're actually your hour specials coming out this year right yeah yeah on comedy central is the stuff you get away with, man. Thanks, man. Is you you have figured out how to walk the line? That like it's it's a, the topic maybe a little off putting. Like for, like on your most recent Conan set, you're talking about like sexual predators, right? And how it's a tough. You open up by saying like it's a tough time to be a predator right, right now. That's how I break the ice. Yeah, that's it. my first. The first thing I said in the set is bad time to be a predator. Yeah, and you take it into like the sports analogy. Like, how do you? I mean, how how do you even evolve that joke into being ready for TV from just something you say in a club? One because night? I guess I'm so fed up with the cutesy late night sets where every or every comic is trying to be adorable. I, mm-hmm. It just fucking annoys me <laughs> because it just doesn't. It's not genuine to me. There's something about it that's very false and put on. So, and then the, I guess maybe that's coupled with the fact that uh, people don't want to laugh at a joke just based on the subject. Like a word, as you said, like predator, it's like, the, that's like a hard joke to make funny in that, you know, given the constraints of a late night set. Right. So 
to me, that's like a challenge and it's exciting. And it's like trying to, it's like almost like a math problem. You're like, how do I crack this code to make this work? And, uh, and the fact that people don't want to laugh at a joke, I feel like I've, I've won over someone that wouldn't have or either ordinarily liked my comedy. I don't like comedy that's like just, it's funny, I was talking to a comic about this the other night and he's a you know very successful comic and he said, you know, it used to be that like people go to the middle of the country and they'd persuade them to laugh at stuff. It'd be like they'd win them over and now it seems that they're like, everyone has a brand uh, as I look at your water bottle. And uh, no, but it's like everyone has a brand though and it's like, oh, that's my guy. And it's like, I just, that's my guy. But it used to be like you kind of, you won them over and there's something about that that is more exciting to me than just having the, not that it's ever easy to kill. I don't want to diminish people's, you know, efforts in those sets, but there is a type of comedy that's a little too uh, easygoing for me and, and it doesn't, it does nothing for me. It's like, it almost feels like they're kissing up to the audience and it's like, no, this isn't, that's, I like it to be almost like a give and take. I like it to feel more like a, I like there to be awkward moments in the set when I'm doing, especially maybe not a late night set, but when I'm doing a long set, I want, I did a set in South by and there became, I got, a, I bombed a pretty offensive joke. It was brand new. I thought of it before I went on stage. I ran it by my friend and he laughed and <laughs> I said, all right, I'll try it. And it bombed so hard oh. and I just fucking doubled down on it I kept going further because I was like what, what the fuck do I have to lose so a woman heckled me went back it was like playful we went back and forth we had like a fun back and forth and I maybe found something there and it's like sometimes when you take that risk and you bomb you find something that's even richer you know so maybe that's why the fact that the really agreeable premises that are really obvious and like I don't like comics going up there saying I'm a nice guy that's a lot of comics I see now I'm a really good guy and it's like well wasn't Aziz just doing that you know, it's like, so you're going to be, it just feels like anyone who goes up who announces they're good is not good <laughs> to me. That's just in my experience. Anyone who's like, I'm a really trustworthy guy. It's like, well, now I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. Cause you're like, cause all the guys I always liked were like, they preface it with like, look, I'm no saint. Those are the people I trust. Not the people that are like, I'm a great guy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm rambling a little here, but no, the point it's is, all on point. the it's point, all on brand. the point is, I guess, uh, I did a joke right after the Parkland shooting and it was uh, about these people. It didn't hit. It bombed pretty hard in St. Louis. I was in St. Louis that weekend. And I said, you know, it's like these people that believe in crisis actors, you know, those people who they think these kids aren't real kids. They think they were hired by the oh, far left yeah. to be like actors. And like, so I said, does that mean they also believe in like crisis actor agents? Like there's some guy on the phone. He's like, this girl's great. She's been in Sandy Hook. She's been in, I mean, you got, she's going to be a star. You got to use her. So I kind of, I kept doubling down on it and I kept going further and it kept bombing further and further. And I kind of like, and it bombed so hard that I kind of was like, to me, it's funny though. I know there's something, I feel like there's something crackable there. And like, I don't know. I guess the comics I always liked in some way, what do I have to gain if it's just something we all agree on to begin with? If it's something we all, not that that should be your whole hour, because that would probably feel weighty, but if, if we're just saying like, yeah, this is bad. Shootings are bad. It's like, well, no fucking shit, dude. I mean, I see these people writing like 
like it's like they're virtue signaling all the time. Their jokes are like, this needs to stop. And I'm like, this is a fucking comedy club, dude. What are you just announcing? Like, like you're some, you know, like you're some political figure, you know, like shootings need to stop. We all did. I, I really get so sick of like the, uh, like, you know, I did that joke tonight about the baby getting eaten by the alligator at Disney. Yeah. And it's like, this, that's basically what that woman in the crowd was to me who got offended where she was like, that's not okay. And I'm like, well, obviously I'm not fucking pro babies getting eaten by alligators. But if, if you don't like dig for a joke, there's, right. I guess they're, they're just like, well, that's never funny. I'm like, well, yeah, to you, but like other people can find funny shit. It's, it's, it's weird that like when, it, when something's sensitive to someone in particular, they're like, I'm out, I'm not laughing, but, but they laugh the whole rest of the show. It's just, you didn't like that one thing. I was a comedian the whole fucking rest of the show. And all of a sudden now it's not, a, it's not comedy anymore. How do you know when you're on to a joke? Because a lot of times when you tell a joke the first time and it bombs, sometimes you abandon them. You're like, oh, never mind. And other times, is there like, if somebody gets offended, you're like, okay, I'm onto something there because it's an no, emotional I don't, reaction. No, because it's not, it's, not, it's not like, I don't want the emotional reaction always. I just want like, I want something. I want some reaction. If, uh -huh. it's, if it's just, I love a silly joke. I love like just a silly plain joke, dude. I love watching Gaffigan or Regan or those guys. Yeah. But like, um, I don't, you know, you're on just because you know it, it's it's going to get something. It's going to get something, some response. Like you can feel it. Okay. It's like where I did a new joke tonight that got something. It was, it's not like a perfect joke, but there's something there about like the queer eye guys, about how they're like, you know, um, about the firehouse they went to. And this isn't done yet, but like the idea about they were like, the firemen were all like, you know, we weren't really okay with the gay guys, but then, you know, we got to know them. It's like, well, no, they just gave you a bunch of free shit. They gave you like a hundred thousand dollars. Like, that's not what all gay men are like, you know? Yeah. Like, you're going to be in for like a bad awakening if, if, uh, if they're just like, do you like this guy, Mateo? And it's like, I mean, he's all right. He didn't renovate my kitchen, you right, know? Right, right, right. It's like, but that's what they, that's what, and like I felt a laugh there so I was like oh, there's something to play with there it's not done but there's like a premise to play with and uh, you just know you just are like there's something here you that feels feel but then also you know there's some that bombs so hard and you're like well that may never make it on stage again right it's tough because they were so drunk early on I couldn't really get a sense of like silence of where to uh, pause the way I wanted to when you take a premise to the stage how thought out is it because uh, you've said the paper is the gym and like the stage is the game. So Did I say that? Yeah. I, in researching you, I heard you say that in an interview. Wow. Okay. So Fuck. are you big on pen to paper? I don't know. Yeah. I, I liked, I don't know. I, I guess sometimes <laughs> I, I talk out of my ass. I. Oh, you just wanted to sound like smart in that moment. Maybe. The paper is the gym, man. Did I say that? Yeah. I guess that makes sense. So yeah, the paper is the gym. Yeah. I, that's something I could have said. Yeah. Cause no, I mean, yeah, I like coming up with ideas. I like, uh, I like writing shit out. I also don't like the the comics that just completely go up there and bullshit, yeah. you know, and just waste your time. But yeah. I, I also like more. The more I do it, I the less written it is. I think now because I also like to just experiment a little myself. As long as I know how it ends, but um. I have this problem now of all these jokes that are like two thirds done. Like the first two parts are funny, but they don't have an ending that's strong enough to really warrant me to continue uh, yeah. telling them. So, uh, 
Because I did notice even on like your Conan sets, your jokes, they will have that arc that it like ends on applause. It like crescendos into an applause. Yeah, you work them out, work them out till they're ready for that, you know? And also it's like you learn that those sets are different from normal sets. The crowd, not all the crowds want to applaud, but some of them do. So you, you just know, you give them just an extra half second to see if they're going to clap. And if not, you just kind of keep cruising. But uh I mean, they want they they usually set you up to do well. The only thing about late night sets is, I mean, if you flub a line, you flub a line, you know. As yeah, opposed to yeah. like a special, they'll let you retake it. Mm -hmm. So if I flub a line, a special, I get to redo that. In a late night set, that flub could be there forever. So <laughs> I just saw. Did you see Mark Norman's? Yeah. At the at the dismount, he like flubs a word. He flubbed it. I yeah. saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to bring that up. I knew he wouldn't be happy about I, that. I figured he. The would rest be of the set was good though. It was a killer set. You yeah. just on the dismount, you're ramping up and then get excited. Yeah, I'm sure that was all he was thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know him well enough that I'm sure he's like, God, fucking. <laughs> but it's cool to know at every level. I mean, we all still like struggle with the same things, regardless of how many times you've done something. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's those sets are always stressful because of that but i just talk myself into thinking the sets are meaningless before i go on every time like, like you actually do self-talk like, no i just oh, i just, just i just in my head i'm like this set means nothing mm. just go have fun and i usually do better because i just the the looser you feel the better you are i mean one of the sets i was kind of drunk for i mean i <laughs> and it's actually my best set it's the one where i was uh in the red flannel on conan i was like that's probably the hardest I killed on any set. I wasn't drunk, but I had a couple of whiskeys, and uh -huh. I was like, not sober. I was loose and feeling good, and I'm like, I I, I knew not to get hooked on that, but because because that's that's a dangerous game to play. It's like that Jackie Chan Legend of the Drunken Master shit. One time you're gonna fall on your face. I mean, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> How meticulous is the prep for those sets? How for Conan? Yeah, I have a good enough relationship now that he's kind of like. He lets me play with it a little. The first one was a little more meticulous, but... Like word for word. Yeah. yeah. But now I'm like, can I say fuck? And he's like, I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> See if you can do it without saying fuck. Uh -huh. I think it's better. And it, and his defensive, it's usually on the money, like, because they can't... It's not like a, a cable fuck. It's like, it's like a regular fuck where I think they just don't let you hear the word at all. Okay. Even though it is on cable, but it's late. I don't know the rules, whatever. But uh, So it's better to not curse in those sets, but... Uh, Sometimes I don't know if they're helping. Like, I just, I have no idea what's helping and what's not helping. I think some weekends people come out for them, and then other weekends they don't. So, I don't know. How specific is your performance piece? Because it seems like even just to go back to the Predator joke, and how you end it talking about the Predators and the, the Nashville Predators and their name, the hockey team. And then at the very end of the joke, you say, I don't remember the last line, but you do like this hand gesture with it. Is it, does it come down to that specific? No, no, nah, definitely with or not. The hand gesture? Definitely not. I think I'm just thinking, are you sure you haven't moved your hand in a while? Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that's what it is. <laughs> but I look at comedy under the microscope of like, oh, he raised his eyebrow there. Oh, he moved his hand here. That's it's not all me. super choreographed. That's not me, but okay. that's if I were a better comic, that would probably be me. That's something that you probably should think about. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking like, don't flub a word. Don't. Uh, just nail the delivery, name the... I, for me, comedy is very... Uh, it's visual, but it's also... Like, the sound of comedy is so important to me. Like, I always thought, like... Like, I listened to so many albums growing up of comedy, so, like, the way you deliver a punchline was always important to me. That The way you kind of... As you say, you, a lot of the jokes end in applause. Well, 
that's a lot about how you, I think, carry your voice too. Hmm. You know that you, you know how to just say the punchline the right way. You have like a lot of comics; they have a way they say a punchline. You know, that's like their punch, almost like they have like their punchline voice, and it's like a cue almost. It is, yeah. It's very manipulative. Now that we, now that we're talking about it, no, but it's uh. Yeah, you almost like, once they know you, they know what you're going for. But I mean, look, it's got to be funny or they're not going to laugh. They're not just going to laugh at a shitty voice, you know? So you have an actual punchline voice at this point? Not that I'm aware of, really, oh, but okay. like, I think, no, I think people are like, I mean, you know, everyone, Gaffigan's voice gets a little like lower when he, you know, I, I, or, I mean, uh, Regan, you know, certain guys have like they deliver, that. They'll go down with it. Yeah, yeah, or some guys go up, Gaffigan goes up. Uh huh. You know, so there's a music to it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just kind of wanted to nerd out a little bit on the comedy side, especially with you, because you like did an independent study at NYU <laughs> about yeah. it was like ancient Greek comedy, right? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Like, what did, what did that reveal to you about comedy? That, that it's the same themes going back like 4000 BC. You know, that it's like it's the same shit forever so it's funny it's like there've always been people that are like you can't say that they've always been those people they've always been uh it's always been kind of like a reflection of the time they were living in like if there was a war or something i think it reflected that they've always been fart jokes there's always been dick <laughs> jokes there's always been every type of joke that people find offensive now they, they've been doing it forever you know it's uh it's almost like when you look at old comedy it's probably it's like the way you look at like a patient if you're a therapist will be like how did people think it's going to be so unique but it's like no we're all fucking none of us are that unique we all have there's like eight different types of people we all fall that's like what comedy is there's like eight different types of comedies and they're all they've all been going on for pretty much a long time there's a girl sometimes that that a guy wants to be with sex plays a big role one of the ones I remember I think it was called Lysistrata was one uh, were like to end the war none of the women would fuck the guys that's how they ended the war they're like we won't fuck you anymore mm -hmm. and it's like kind of interesting because it's like well it's like the it shows the power of the women yeah it shows that like sex has always been a thing in comedy and it's a pretty funny premise I mean alone if you pitch that now to like a comedy person they'd be like oh that's funny you know, so it, it shows you that, like, if, if a funny idea is funny, it just kind of works in a sentence, you know? Yeah, comedy is timeless in the sense that Chaplin still carries today. Like, he would still be funny today as opposed funny. to, like, just a drama in the early 1900s would probably just be boring now. Oh, well, some, it depends, right? I mean, some of it's still hold. I mean, some of it's just revamped Shakespeare, right? Like, some of the movies that you see now, you're like, well, that's basically just a Shakespeare story. Oh, yeah, if you're following themes and things, right. too. Yeah. But like, but I know what you mean. Like, you're like in, in tone, you mean, right? Mm -hmm. Like, sometimes, like, you see a movie from the 40s, and you're like, you have to kind of put it in that time capsule, because you're like, well, people don't, they don't talk like this. They don't, yeah. uh... So, but, I mean, I still, those are my favorite movies, usually, those, like, 40s noirs, or, uh... Because it is like a language, the way like comedy is a language. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like its own thing. You talk about like comedy being like math too, and putting the almost the you said cracking the code, almost. Yeah, it's like a formula. I mean, it's that's just me being an idiot because I'm terrible at math. Well, but, don't, go, don't backtrack now. But well, I think it's like um, 
Yeah, there's almost like it's. I guess the reason I say math is because when it's solved, you know it's solved. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like with a formula, you're like, well, that's the formula. That's like I use, you need the exact word sometimes. Like sometimes I just have a word. I'm like, without that word, the joke doesn't work. It's kind of interesting. Like I remember I had a joke where I said, um, you know, a teacher said to me, I made up that I was molested in a class as a joke. I thought I would get a laugh. Wow. I thought I would get a laugh and I didn't get a laugh. <laughs> so I was in a class where uh, the teacher, she called to me and I raised my hand. As a, I was in like seventh grade. She was talking about testicular exams. And I said, one time my doctor like kept his hand down there and he played with my penis and no one laughed. And it was like meant to be funny, but it wasn't funny. It was just no joke. I just, I just said someone molested me. So... So in the joke, I remember I said something along the lines of like her saying, well, is that real? And like, this was my out. But instead I doubled down. I said, you know, I did, instead of like bailing, I said, I decided to incriminate a pediatrician. You know, I said, and for whatever reason, incriminate a pediatrician. So much funnier than uh, said a doctor fucked me or something or said a doctor touched me. Mm-hmm. It's so much funnier because it's like, I don't know. It's like the sound. It's like the perfect words. So it was like, in that way, I mean, it's like a formula where it's like, oh, you know, there's like a rhythm. And like, as you do comedy more, someone who's really good with words is Nick DiPaolo. He always uses like the right word in a joke. You know, he's good with like sounds and words. You're like, oh, that sounded really funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember he had a joke where he's like, saw a uh, a homeless guy sleeping and the guy's like sleeping like a baby. He's like, I got an $800 water bed at home. Meanwhile, this guy's sleeping on a Heineken or something like something about the way he said Heineken. <laughs> right, like, right, right. It's like right. a funny sound to it. Just like it's like the right amount of syllables. And it's like, man, we're sent, we're getting geeky with comedy here. But like there is a formula. And like once you figure out certain words that work or certain rhythms that work, you can't be too predictable because it's gotta work. And you there's no absolute code, but like once you get good at it, you just get better at those types of codes. Gotcha. So you just you just work in a scale. So you'll say a joke and then be like, there's potential, but there's a better word. And you'll almost brainstorm words. Yeah. Like write down, just list a bunch of words. Yeah, I think so. Cool. I mean, not like there's like some cheat sheet, but it's like you have to find them yourself. You have to find the word, of course. But there's like, yeah, there's definitely certain words that make me laugh always. And and it's funny because you can't go to, sometimes blunt is funnier instead of like, some people think you need to be like, like sometimes I'll tell my mom a joke and she'll say some word that's maybe a, a smarter word, but it just sounds too written. And I'm like, well, you got to be talking up there. You can't, mm. this, this would work in a short story version of the joke, but in the joke, I need to be, I can't use the word you just said. Is she thrilled? Does she like your brand of comedy? I don't know. <laughs> I make her laugh as her son. I don't know if I, I don't know if she likes, I mean, she, she's, there's things she likes about it. She didn't like my last Conan says she told me. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it doesn't matter. For, you're successful. I mean, you're professional. Yeah. It's not for everybody. Around. Yeah. I was, uh, I mean, I'll defend the set. It's not for everybody. Look, it was, I guess the set as far as like, it's not like a mom set. I did like a few jokes about predators in Hollywood and then I did a joke about how I wear condoms. I did a joke. I mean, I did jokes where I'm like, which everything, she should be happy about the condom thing. That's a good thing that I'm yeah, working on. Yeah, that you were willing to wear it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was a set where you're like, maybe it's just things you don't want to think. Like, I wouldn't want to hear jokes about my mom having sex. Yeah, that's true. And people not in comedy, 
don't look at it like, oh, he got a laugh off that. That's very impressive. They're like, I can't believe he said that. Right, yeah, people yeah. close to you. Yeah, well, look, I... I have other people close to me who are like, I don't like that you said that joke, you know, whether it be like, huh, you know, whoever, but certain people, certain things are just for you and that person. And as comics, we're like, well, this is, we have that sense of entitlement. Well, this is my life. I'm allowed to express myself. Right. You forget about other people and look I've been in other people's acts and it doesn't throw me but I kind of just like it's like it's part of what you kind of what you signed up for whether or not you signed up for it, it, it by by knowing those people you, you signed up for it. she's like I sent you to this college prep school and now you're doing comedy but that, I don't think I think that's like a joke that I've heard people make and I don't think that's true like I've heard people be like I went to Harvard and now I'm a comedian it's like and I've heard it from people who've had like good writing jobs and like I'm like well, yeah, I mean, there are people who go to Harvard and are fucking broke. I mean, what, who gives a shit? You, yeah, I mean, true. it's it's a school. It's And then there's some of the... There's some people who go to Harvard that are fucking not smart. They're book smart, but if you talk to them, they're fucking morons. So, <laughs> And then there's people that are not college educated that are... Colin Quinn is not college educated. He's one of the smartest people Incredible. I've ever met. You know, so I yeah. mean, people place too much importance on... Uh, on I won't just say academic education because there's other types of intelligence, I think. But, uh, you know, on colleges and, and universities and things like that, it's not everything. And it's not, it's, it's overrated. I mean, I, I'm fortunate to have gone to the place I went to, but I also, like, I think there's, there's value on other types of education. Mm. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think that's the case. I think she's like, I think she thinks that I'm a success to her. I mean, I, I make a living at what I like to do and it's, and, uh, I think there was a period where they were nervous, but now I think, no, I mean, last year was a good year. I had my own, I got nominated for an Emmy on my TV show. I got an hour special recorded. I, uh, I worked the road almost every weekend as a, as a headliner and, uh, and I toured with some cool people, you know? So it was, it was a productive year. So I think there were years where, I felt more that about myself where I was like, I don't feel, and, and I always, I still feel that way. I, I always feel that like when I break down and say, oh, that all sounds cool, but it's not, it's such a slow build that when you, when you say all those things at once, it sounds cool, but it's such a slow build that I, I'm, I'm frustrated with where I am still because everything takes so much fucking longer than it should. Right. Everything. I've been working on a TV show for so fucking long. It's just working with these people. It's exhausting. The special I taped in December is not going to come out to the fall. I mean, it's excruciating. Wow. It's excruciating. Like, I want... I mean, they're good problems to have. They're also, to me, still problems, so... Yeah, you're, my hour special isn't coming out for a while, and then my TV show... But you, know what I, but you know what? I'm in a competitive bracket of headlining clubs, and, and you want to get that bump on the road so people want you back. You want, It's not like... It's just one thing. It's like, no, I need that bump. I need, uh, it will help me secure more dates. It'll help me uh, get more fans. It'll help me parlay this into this. I mean, people are like, people say things like, well, you're going to make it at some point. I'm like, yeah, well, these other years will be way more fucking enjoyable <laughs> on the way. You know what I mean? Like, I was talking to Roy Wood Jr. about it the other day, the comic, and he yeah, was he's saying, he's, uh, was telling me, I was talking about, you know, hey, it's success later. You know, it's taken you a while, you know? And he's such a real comic, I think. He's such a great comic. Amazing. But he uh, 
he's like, yeah, man, I really haven't been able to, like, when you when you have success later, you don't really get to enjoy success that long. That's just how he put it. And I was like, that's a good way to put it. I mean, it's like, he's right. I mean, you, yeah, it's a shorter part of your life. But then there's people that blow up super early, as we talked about earlier on this podcast. They have all this hype early on, and they just fizzle right the fuck out. The comics... Comics like Gaffigan and Louie have said to me that like the way you want to succeed in this is to have that slow build. But also that's what both of them have. So sometimes you're like, are you just saying what you did? Right, 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 right. But I think, I mean, I think they are right. But there was a part of me that's like, fuck, it took Louie so long. You know, it took Gaffigan so long, but here they are. So and you have milestones along the way. So it's, it's yeah. really cool to catch you at this moment in your career to where you are. You have stuff coming up in the future and you've just had some great success so and the fact dude you're willing to sit down and do this after pulling an all-nighter and then having to get up early tomorrow to travel out again after doing this show at the punchline in front of drunk people they were fucking drunk dude i deserve better <laughs> i really do that's the thing i was like i it's funny where she groaned at one of the things i said and i was like no no, no you're you're mistaken i have a high self i think i deserve better than you like that that's that's the funny thing is when they like they do the awe and i'm like no, I think I'm. I deserve a smarter crowd. I think you're a fucking idiot. Like that's that's the whole thing. That woman was such a drunk. She came into my green room and wouldn't fucking go away. I was like, what do you think? So you, I have to perform for someone who's who doesn't know the boundaries that you don't that you shouldn't go into someone's private space where they're preparing for a show. She thinks it's okay there, and that's that's the level of awareness I'm performing for. After 2,700 people the night before. But that's just how it goes, right? That's how it always is. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what this career is always going to be. It's like, and look, you got to be grateful. I think you got to be grateful for the good and then just hope that there's not too much bad. I mean, this is, I could see this being a good club. It just tonight was, they were, uh, they were not my favorite type of crowd. There were some people that were really good in there. Yeah, and this is, I mean... They had energy, at least, a, you it's know? It's a great club, but this is a Wednesday yeah. night, and people came to get drunk, I guess, it sounds like. But yeah, it's tough, because I like getting drunk, too, but the more I realize, I'm like, I, I'm a better drunk than I have give myself credit for. I'm really not that bad at drunk. It's like, who are these fucking 60-plus-year-olds who are still drinking like this? Yeah. What is what is the inside of their body like? I don't know, but they're still alive, so they're doing something right, I guess. This guy just grilled us on the way out, too. You see that? Nah, but we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, man. Yeah, and no problem, uh, man. before we get out of here, is there anything else you want the world to know? I don't know. When does this come out? I may release this one this week. Actually, I'm pretty jazzed about it. Um, yeah, I hope I. I probably made no sense for a few of these. I'm pretty sleep deprived right now. I'm sure I rambled a little too much on this one. You did great, buddy. Uh, I don't know. I got a podcast called Keeping Joe with Phil Hanley and Joe Mackey. The, mm -hmm. the last one that came out with John Laster is one of my favorite episodes. It's really good. Talked a lot about uh, his addiction and he was really open and great. And then the one that comes out next week with Alan Havey is another one of my favorites. Alan Havey who's you know, been around forever. Yeah. Uh, you know, had his own show on MTV like back in the day. Oh, Comedy Central, I think too. Was a big character on Mad Men, which was one of my all-time favorite shows. He's been on Seinfeld. He's like, he's the it's man. Incredible. I love, I love Alan Havey. So he's, so good on the show. Those are two of my favorite episodes. So, if, uh, so you'll probably like those. And yeah, and the hour special, uh, probably the fall. But who the fuck knows? Maybe twenty fifth, twenty twenty seven. Right, be my hour special. 
Uh, hopefully the fall. You almost like don't believe anything until after it happens, right? I feel like they could call me and be like, it's coming out tomorrow. I'm like, wait a second. I need like, I need a PR person or something. But like, uh, no, it's, it's going to come out in like, I think the fall and, uh, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure people see it. I know it's, I know it's like tough to promote cable these days, but mm -hmm. like, I think, I think we'll hopefully get enough of it online that people like, I know some people blew up by getting just enough clips online. I think like my plan is to get enough YouTube clips of there from the special that it's like almost like late night sets that people can share, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my plan. I think they seem receptive. So we'll see. Uh, and I think I'm really proud of the special. I think it's the best thing I've ever done. So, uh, and even the opening is really funny. It's a cool sketch opening. Oh, it's you gonna, did a sketch opening. It's oh, that's awesome. I'll show I'll show you that after this. That's awesome. Well, Sam Morell, thanks for being on Hot Breath. Thanks man. for having me. It was fun talking to you. Um, I'll show it to you if I have it. It's pretty funny. Hot breath. Yeah, we made it. That's right, hot brethren and sister, and thank you for tuning in. At the end of this outro, I am going to play the clip of Sam's joke, the specifically the Predator one that we were talking about, if you would like to hear that one in action on Conan. You can also see it on YouTube, but I'm going to play it here for you. Once we wrap this up here in just a second, I just want to thank you for tuning in, and if you do enjoy this, and you enjoy this podcast and find it valuable, you can contribute to the podcast at patreon.com slash hotbreathpod. That's a great way to just kind of contribute financially to the podcast to help up keep on just equipment and overall time. Each episode is usually, you know, around 10 hours of work from the research to the travel to the post edits. It's all really a, a big undertaking. And with your help, we can definitely take it to another level with more video and things like that. So thank you for however you can support, even if it's with a quick share or a even quicker iTunes review that really does go a long way in getting more ears into the hot breath of verse. But overall, just thanks. If you want to see me actually on stage being funny, I host a show every Wednesday at Java Monkey Indicator. You can also go to joelbyerscomedy.com to see my schedule and links to my book and just links to my comedy class as well. The spring session is now open. The uh, last, really last, very Last year of sessions have all sold out. So if you're interested, definitely just go there now and tune in and um, reserve your spot. But otherwise, we can hang out here in the hot breath of verse. So I appreciate your time and it's very valuable. So let me bow out now by thanking my engineer, Amon Garner, editing this all the way from South by Southwest. Shouts out to him for being invited there uh, yet another year in a row. Hit him up, Amon Garner on Facebook, if you need any audio needs. And of course, as always, thank you to my wife, Erin Byers, for making the theme song and making me, and also making our new podcast, Byers Life. You can hear that one on iTunes or Audio Boom or Stitcher or wherever else you hear podcasts. We're all there at Byers Life. So yeah, if you don't like me, you'll love my wife. Because <laughs> she doesn't like me either. Oh, I know. She loves me. Oh. All right. Let's get out of here. Enjoy this Sam Morell clip, and I'll see you next Monday right here on Hot Breath. Hot Breath. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to the entertainment business, but a uh, bad time to be a predator. <laughs> 
If you're doing that, cut it out. It sucks. We're losing like three actors a day. I feel like I'm gonna see the new Avengers movie. Like, why is everyone being played by Paul Giamatti? They're like, he's the only one left. It's a weird time. There's a hockey team called the Predators. The Nashville Predators. Which in this climate, very ballsy. Because it's actors now, but it's gonna be athletes next. And that's gonna be a weird press release when they're like, we at the Predators are shocked. <laughs> this is not what the Predators stand for. We'd like to be known as the alleged Predators, if possible. <laughs> it's, uh...